This is Swampside Chats, the podcast where every week communists sit down to shoot the shit about current events, history, political economy, and theory. This week, in the latest installment of Swamp Trek, we set genders to none as we welcome Chief Science Officer Sophia Dax back to the bridge to watch and talk over the Next Generation Season 5, Episode 17, The Outcast. We touch on non-binary xenogenitalia, douchey but solid Klingon bros, and the ultimate second waiver woke leviathan. If you're into that website that mails you DVDs or that company that could send books really fast, load it up and follow along. Pirates, if you want to join in, make sure your copy isn't like sped up or something. Red alert! Let's dive into the queerest Star Trek episode. Engage. Hello, people. We are actually back in business, and it's been a hell of a day. Uh, good times. Good times. We're at the barricades here for you. The fucking man at YouTube shut us down for oh, yeah. uh, legally broadcasting. Yeah, uh, communist media. Fucking episode of Star Trek that we're not even doing now. This is pirate radio for the 21st century. We've run into a lot of snafus today. So where do we start? Well, we should probably introduce our guest. We probably should. It is my pleasure to introduce back to the show, Sophia from Redneck Revolt. Hello, Sophia. Hey, y'all. Sophia from Redneck Revolt and Trans Trans Revolution. Oh, yes, of course, Trans Trans Revolution. What's Trans Trans Revolution? Well, Lexi, Trans Trans Revolution is a stream where two very cute transgender communists sit down, Mm -hmm. play video games, shoot the shit. Talk about theory, history, and political economy. Whoa, okay. And sometimes they flirt. Oh, wow, that sounds really good. Um, so where can I find that? Twitch.tv slash transtransrev. Well, I'll have to check out twitch.tv slash transtransrev pretty soon. Anyway. So yeah, while we're doing this, um, I got some stuff on eBay I'm selling right now, if you want to go check that out. <laughs> uh, I, got a, uh, I got an old microwave that uh, still works. <laughs> Uh, starting bid is $30. That went live yesterday. Hey, listen. Our, our streams of making each other in The Sims 4 are worth a lot more than your microwave, okay? We just have to wait till we collect all the internet rents. I'm telling you, I promise. There's value in this thing somewhere. You know, I didn't interrupt your guys' read, so I don't... I feel... This is very rude. I'm sorry, Jake. Okay, I'm done. So, welcome, Sophie. It's been a long journey here. Long story short, we thought we were going to have two guests today. One of them cut out the last minute, and Sophie had a whole saga. Do you want to give just the cliff notes of the saga, Sophie? Cliff notes? Um, fucking A. There was an action today that um, my chapter of Renick Revolt was asked to go to, protesting the treatment of immigrants, basically. I thought it was going to be pretty low-key, but we walked up and we heard like a large crowd chanting, which was good because most of them were on our side. But then we had a group of dipshits show up called Patriot Militia Arizona. And these are the brilliant folks that live-streamed their own evidence against them when they got arrested. Yeah, they're brilliant. So they're very nasty and completely irrational, just like you would expect from your local reactionaries. You know, we're low-key, we're not, like, visibly representing Renick or Vault, but we were asked to be able to be low-key and kind of keep an eye on them. And so, after a while, we see somebody, like, take off running, and the cops are chasing them. 
it turns out not somebody in a chapter, somebody I know, this is her partner. And cops arrested this person and they were complete assholes. The only reason why they weren't worse was because they were immediately surrounded by a shit ton of people from the left. And I had to really make sure shit didn't escalate. You know what I mean? Because not only were these militia dipshits, but also three percenters were there. They mm-hmm. didn't interact with anybody. They were completely like separate. But that, you know, cops, three percenters, it was much more tense than I thought it was going to be. Later on that day, I ended up talking to somebody from the National Lawyers Guild, and they witnessed what happened with the person who got arrested. And the person from the National Lawyers Guild basically said they saw the whole thing, and that kid didn't do shit. One of the Patriot militia people pretty much said that this person pushed her, but that woman was also one of the people who got arrested recently, and basically she's full of shit, and I don't trust her. And so, I don't know, we'll see how it all shakes out, but I don't know what the gay space communist equivalent of thoughts and prayers is, but... Solidarity. And then, I'm running late, but on my way home, my fucking car breaks down right on the off-ramp to the major street that leads to my house. I was like five minutes away. And it was pretty sketch because it was on the off-ramp. And it wasn't just like the car cut out and wouldn't turn on. The car was running, just wouldn't fucking move. And so my passenger side tire was locking up. Thankfully, my roommate has AAA. And so she helped me out. And I got home safe. Also, by the time I got home, I was like, you know, I'm kind of exhausted after today. But God damn it, I've been looking forward to this. I don't want to not do this, you know? Meanwhile, while all of that was happening... We argued for 45 minutes about which other episode to watch. <laughs> we started another episode, then we got kicked out of a YouTube for illegally <laughs> streaming the episode. And then we were just kind of like, fuck it. And then now we're here. And then Sophie magically wandered back in. And everything is fine now. This is fine. This is fine. House is on fire, but this is fine. Yeah. This is uh- fine. Yeah, so why are we watching this episode of all episodes? So this episode of all episodes. Maybe we should watch a different episode and let's discuss which other episode we should watch. Uh, you know what? I think, I think <laughs> that you'll find that this is a singular episode in at least 90s Star Trek. And I think beyond, really. Season 5, episode 17 of Star Trek The Next Generation, titled The Outcast. One of the very few... Star Trek episodes in general to touch on queer issues in total. Star Trek has at least a reputation for being progressive on racial issues, even though it's just body history. Um, but they have a sort of like, you know, do-gooder utopian, you know, spirit about these things. It's weird and kind of telling Lacuna that they never really talked all that much about queer shit. And so this episode is a huge exception. Um, there, there are other episodes that touch on it, but this one is the most obvious one that tells a story of a planet of non-binary people known as the Janai. And one of them feels like th- that she's a girl. And there's a conflict with that society. It's an attempt at getting at queer stuff and trans stuff all wrapped up in one in the way that either people that are first dealing with the topic tend to do it, like Star Trek, or in the way that like galaxy brain, like, whoa, you know, gender and attraction, it's all related. Mm. You know, how can you be homo and hetero when there's no binary? You know, like 
etc. <laughs> like this touches on like baby's first queer attempt and galaxy brain queer stuff. It's huh. a lot of fun, kind of. So that's why we're watching this one. All right. Sex in general isn't always super addressed in Star Trek, I feel. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely, like, there was the episode where, like, you know, Spock, like, has to fuck really bad. (laughs) And then Kirk would, like, you know, womanize around the galaxy. Right. And then Next Generation, like, you know, there'd be relationships here and there, but... You know, like, didn't Jordy basically have, like, the, you know, emotional development of, like, a fucking 15-year-old, you know what I mean, in terms of, like, women? Like, wasn't there some episode where, like, he fell in love with a hologram? Was Jordy, like, a proto-incel character? You know what I mean? Like, LeVar Burton, who played Jordy, was not happy about this direction of the character. But, yeah, he's meant to express a kind of, you know, frustration and bad luck in dating. But also, I think, unintentionally articulates sense of entitlement men have to intimacy yeah which uh is very uncomfortable yeah like he falls in love with that hologram but that hologram is basically the ship's computer the hologram is made in the image of the designer of the ship but the ship's computer is running the hologram though right it's based off a real person and then that real person visits right this stuff goes more in depth than like DS9, which is probably like maybe like the more quote unquote like adult Star Trek show. Right, right. But I guess the other thing is there's like the Rise of Planet, which is where you go to fall. Oh, yeah. Too, right. Yep. That's in TNG too. You put a Horgon out to let people know. But I guess you could say, yeah, it's all very like heteronormative. Right. You know? That's one of the major sort of utopian blocking points for me. You know, when I'm like, is Star Trek really doing a good job of imagining the future? In some ways, yes. In some ways, and especially in one major way, no. Well, it's Reikian. It's the Reikian, like, stance yeah. on... Like, it's, it's not Marcuse, it's right. Pure P-I-V fucking... Okay. Sophie, do you have introductory thoughts about The Outcast? I watched it for the first time yesterday, and by the end of the episode, I was very surprised at the direction it went. Have you watched much Trek? Were you, like, a Trek person? Growing up, I was much more into Star Wars, except for when I was really little and, like, the next generation was new. My mom would watch it all the time. But then after that, I was like, oh, Star Trek is boring and Star Wars is much more fun. And I kind of like the space magic of it, you know. But Mm -hmm. now that I'm a commie, I've been getting into Star Trek more and more. I've mostly watched DS9, um, but I've watched a little bit of TNG here and there as well. DS9, if you know what it's like deconstructing a little bit, it works a little better. But it definitely stands on its own as a show, I think. Yeah, for sure. Were you on the last Trek episode, Grant? I don't remember. I don't think so. I didn't make it on that one, no. So, what about you? What's your relationship to Trek? I'm a friend. <laughs> I'm a friend to Trek. I definitely got into it aware of and interested in its utopian kind of aspect. Mostly a uh, original series and next generation experienced person. When did you get into it? Like Early college, maybe. Hmm. Were you ever much into like sci-fi in general, or is it? Yeah, I was originally a Star Wars fan as well. I would, I had a kind of similar journey there, but I hadn't been exposed to very much Star Trek. I think I saw the one where they save the whales, and then <laughs> that was my kind of only exposure. And so, out of context, that's not exactly the best pitch for the the show. But then, when you get it, and you get its kind of philosophical, reflective nature, um, it's all wonderful. 
I say that one's underrated. No, it's good, yeah. And that was the first one I saw, too, in terms of, like, the movies. That was, like, the first one I saw. Honestly, it's one of the better... Because all the even-numbered ones are the good ones. Like, the odd-numbered yeah. Star Trek movies are all shit. I really like original series because it's it's just, you know, sort of classic sci-fi, like, whoa, think about it this way, stories with, like, your kind of three perspective characters of Logic, Hart, and John F. Kennedy. <laughs> Yeah, basically. Yeah, you got like the id ego, super ego kind of dynamic. Oh, totally. There's something more allegorical and like you're saying, more like traditional science fiction with the original series. Well, it's got like that 60s like woo vibes to it as well, you know? Yeah. But then again, Next Generation has a real nice exploration of the kind of communist themes at, at, at points. It's it's more speculatively utopian in a lot of ways. Although in, in terms of its aesthetic, like it is a little more like yuppified, I think. I've remarked on this before, like the interior of the bridge does look like the inside of like an 80s like lens crafters at the mall. <laughs> now, <laughs> what you really have to pay attention to is whenever they do a shot of Starfleet Academy in San Francisco and you look at what San Francisco looks like and you're like, oh man, they took over and they made everything into an Apple campus. Like, <laughs> Oh God. Yeah, that's what like, it looks like, at least like now. Back then it was probably, you know, trying to like fit in with kind of classical, utopian, like right. futuristic art. But you realize that all that stuff also inspired like the Silicon Valley psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, who can also watch Star Trek the Next Generation and also It's true. It. It's true. Somehow, even though they're all really Ferengi at heart, you know? They root yeah. for Starfleet somehow. They're they're, they're Jews. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, structural anti-Semitism. Yeah, really. Now the thing I really love about Deep Space 9 is that they realized, all right, we really fucked up and made a terrible anti-Semitic caricature into a whole species. So maybe we should have a positive allegory for the Jews as well in the Bajorans. I mean, did they though? Because they mostly cast like Jewish actors. Like they they kind of doubled down in a weird well, way. No, well they doubled down on the Ferengi, but then they created the Bajorans to make up for it. The Bajorans go back to the next generation though. Like yeah. originally Kira was supposed to be Ensign Roe. That's true. Yeah, and Michelle Forbes was supposed to be in Deep Space Nine, but she didn't want to get typecast. Right. Yeah. The point is, is that they felt bad about the Ferengi while not changing the Ferengi at all. And I don't even know if they feel bad about it. But being Jewish and watching um, DS9, you know, you kind of can't help but compare Jews to Bajorans. It's totally there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's there. But it's weird because they're more kind of like the Palestinians, like in this arrangement. No, it's true because the whole colonialism angle isn't really like covered by a Jewish allegory. Right. But it's just something that happens. There's an episode where Major Kira confronts someone that had the nickname of being the butcher of a major concentration camp. Yeah, I remember. There's a name of that concentration camp, and it's like they're Auschwitz. Like it's it's very clear. Anyway, next next generation, <laughs> the outcast, gender stuff. Get ready to sync with us if you want to watch along at home. See what we're seeing. Scoff at what we scoff at. That's right. So you are just in time. I'm ready for some synchronicity. We're going to go three, two, one, engage. So Lexi, count us down. Okay, let's do it. Three, two, one, engage. Captain's log, stardate 45614.6. We have been contacted by an androgynous race called the Janai to investigate the mysterious disappointment. Point of information. Shuttlecraft. The Janai 
have bowl cuts. We're approaching the designated coordinates. Are those bowl cuts? It seems like there's this weird lid on the forehead. Okay, it's not quite a bowl cut. It's a bowl cut with bangs, essentially. Hmm. You gotta have some weird head thing. Like that was the that was the next generation thing. Like aliens were people with some weird head thing. So right. we're like, well, we designed this head thing. We can't have these bangs covering up the head thing. So then they just snipped a little bit. Then you got like the quasi Beatles haircut. They're androgynous bangs. Right. Yeah. You know, I should get this haircut. I'm detecting an unusual reading. It appears to be a neutrino emission with no visible source. Explanation. I have none, sir. I recommend we launch a probe. Make it so. It's time to launch a probe. Probe is launched. Sensors show no evidence of any unusual phenomenon. Probe is no longer transmitting. Also, can we just talk for a second about probes disappearing? What happened? Giggity oh, yeah. giggity. Where did it go? Into the pocket. Into the null pocket. Into the pocket. It's important to have a flared base. Patrick Stewart really is the master of the pensive stare. You know what I mean? So many episodes will rely so heavily on him, like, getting up and looking concerned. You know, before, like, a cutaway. <laughs> and in HD, all the concern really comes across. There's a lot of things about this show that kind of take a hit in like believability when you upgrade the resolution, but not his facial acting. He's such a Shakespearean actor. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's pretty easy for me to gush. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. I think from season three onward, it was actually shot like on celluloid. I think the first two seasons were shot on like beta cams and the resolution wow. was garbage. Yeah, I watched an episode from season one and I was shook at how- Oh my God, yeah. Cheesy it was. Yeah, the first season's pretty rough. We had just tried to watch a first season episode. I guess we were mostly kind of looking at people like Riker didn't have a beard and like there's other things happening. It was weird. The uniforms are the, the big are the big cat. You could see early on, like in season one, they they kind of like they were all kind of probably crash dieting to like fit into those things. As they approach the season two, you kind of see like they, they had to come up with something because you, you could see Riker getting a gut, you know. This is a Riker episode, you know, for, in terms of, like, which main character's being developed. I mean, it's almost a two-hander, really. It's a, it's a lot of scenes of just the two characters, like, yeah. in, in confined spaces. Log supplemental. The sudden disappearance of our probe suggests that we may have found the first instance of what is called null space, an anomaly which until now had been only theoretical. Commander Riker has been working around the clock with a team of Janai specialists to formalize this hypothesis. Most important behind the scenes note, uh, Jonathan Frakes, the actor who plays Commander Riker, requested that the androgynous race be played by men, basically. Like, yeah, so that his love interest would read as gay. But that was denied by the producers. You can't help but think like how much spicier it would be if it was like played by a guy. Mm -hmm anything that entered it. Like a shuttlecraft. Does anybody else think that graphic is was pretty yonic? Outside the pocket, all the energy is bent around it, making it naturally cloaked. 
That's why we cannot see it, and our sensors cannot read it. I guess for the gender episode. We're getting to some Chris Deva thought here. <laughs> Those are some androgynous outfits. They have cowboy boots and orange jumpsuits. Apparently, non-binary future means you wear clothes that are completely unflattering for any gender. <laughs> Yeah, everyone looks it's equally shitty. Shuttles, but its energy would also be absorbed. Our chief engineer is working on a way to maintain the power reserves long enough to rescue your crew. Commander. Right, there is a certain idea here that like everybody in a non-gendered culture, a post-gendered mm -hmm. culture is going to look homogenous. Right, there's a repressive uniformity. Yeah, they're NPCs. <laughs> but fu funny enough for that moral, everybody in the Federation wears the same thing too, more or less. Yeah, but they are men and women. Real freedom. I cannot ask you to put yourself in danger to rescue our crew. You can't pilot a shuttle you're not familiar with. I happen to be a good pilot. I happen to be a good pilot too, and I know my way around the Starfleet shuttle. So what if we team up? When can we go over the shuttle flight operations? Right now. I mean, when I watched this, it was like, if this is what, like, post-gender society looks like, I don't want anything to do with it. Because, like, right. this is it. I don't know about y'all, but, like, I dress like a spicy Girl Scout, and I like mm. doing that. So, I also like it when she does that. Yeah, I would think that post-gender would be just an explosion of creativity, and that's one of my main complaints about this episode, is that they underplay the unfreedom of mm -hmm. having gender and the creative potential of not having gender. Right. Well, that's also kind of your first hint that this might be like a repressive society, you know what I mean? Also, can we just say Riker is already macking? Like, this man is absurd. You know, he's immediately trying to do the math of like, okay, how's this going to work? You know I mean? like, <laughs> show her the spaceship. Riker is kind of like the show's avatar for like responsible, non-toxic masculinity. Like the sexual prowess that like Picard doesn't have. Yeah, Picard's like, very austere. Right, right, right. Picard is sort of, I don't know, there are masculine elements to Picard, but Picard, I think, is approaching some androgynous ideal of like just being a great person. You handle these controls like you grew up in a shuttle. I did. My parents were pilots. I was flying with them before I could walk. So this is the pronoun conversation. I was going to bring that up, yeah. Crite was my instructor. He had a good student. He. Commander, there are no he's or she's in a species without gender. Okay. For two days, I've been trying to construct sentences without personal pronouns. Now I give up. What should I use? It? To us, that's rude. We use a pronoun that is neutral. I do not think there is really a translation. Well, then I'll just have to muddle through. So forgive me if the stray he or she slips by, okay? That stung me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, the there's a singular they. I don't see any. Yeah, I it's saw that and I was like, it's they, you buffoons. He starts out with like kind of the right wing reflex where it's like, we just called it. But their culture does have a singular they type thing. It does, but humans don't. Right. Humans. Well. I feel like there should be like a singular they word though. I know the right wing likes to like scare people and be like, they're gonna make you say G or Z or something insane like that, but. We prefer to stay warm by sleeping with a friend. I feel like that could actually work just cause it would solve like, cause like they is kind of plural, you know what I mean? Not to mate. Linguistically, it would actually like make more sense if we just had a third pronoun, you know? I, yeah, I felt this pretty intimately when I'm dealing with my own they pronouns and being like, ah. God, I'm not sure what they just said. 
It's hard to grasp the idea of no gender. Were they talking about me? <laughs> it's hard for us to understand. You're talking about a bunch of people in a room. Strange division in your species. I was kind of hoping he'd just be males like, she's like, what's the difference between men and women? Well, we were in the shuttle. You saw, you saw how we be driving. I, I notice here he doesn't blur the biology here at all. He's like, men are big, women are small. Like, there's clear boundaries here. Also, this little uh, limerick here. Snips and snails and puppy dog tails. You have a dog's tail. It's an old nursery rhyme. Girls are made from sugar and spice, and boys... Becker's like that man who's trying to be like a woke feminist, but like... That makes it sound better to be female. You feel good he's trying. He's falling on his face a lot. Not to say that there's no real difference between them. Physically, men are bigger. Gender means sex. And th this, I think, is one of the interesting things about this episode, right? Okay. The non-binary planet has a uniform gender because, basically, it has a uniform sex. Most people think so. But that's the kind of question that would take a lifetime to answer. Basically, the Janai Valerie Solanus completed her mission and eradicated the Y chromosome, right? <laughs> and instead of getting a cool, like, sexy utopia, you got some, like, weird, austere dystopia. Who leads when you dance? Maybe they give him this later, but don't they, like, jerk off into a husk or something? Yeah, there's some kind of reproductive yeah. thing with a husk. That's basically the baby vat. Without the battle of the sexes, you probably don't have as many arguments. Just because we don't have gender doesn't mean we don't have conflicts. The androgynous being is so interested in, like, oh, what's it like to have two genders? And that doesn't totally square with later characterization, right. if you know what I mean. Right. What kind of woman do you find attractive? Well, yeah, maybe maybe it's like the hint that, you know, like she's kind of mm -hmm. curious about what it's like to be in the society that maybe she talk with potentially identifies back. with more, you know. But the most important thing of all, she has to laugh at my jokes. I doubt the writers of this put that much thought into it, but that's probably the case. Tell me. You get the sense, like, people in Federation society haven't thought that much prefer. about this, mm. which is an interesting detail. Some, like, quiet, demure women. They also seem to have, like, a forced asexuality. Some only respond to yeah. that physical attractiveness. Others couldn't care less. There's actually a bit of dialogue before Riker brushes up against the fact that that species, uh, they lay down together sometimes for warmth, like hmm. non-sexually. I thought that was an interesting, actually, because I feel like that is kind of a straight people, queer people kind of uh, interaction that happens sometimes. It's like, wow, you guys cuddle, huh? What's up with that? Thank you for going the <laughs> yeah. Commander. Oh, well, I love the shots where this lady just shows up. It's a perfect illustration of like that Russian experiment of like the the cut to somebody looking at something and you can infer their reaction. You know? mm -hmm. Like she's she's basically expressionless. Captain's log supplement. Mm. Commander Riker and the Janai pilot have set out to chart the null space pocket. If they're successful, we can then proceed with a rescue attempt. I've illuminated Delta IV grid map. We'll start there and expand. Stand by. Forward phaser array. Pulse vanished at delta 4.2 by 0.3. Firing second burst. Delta 4.4 by 0.5. This is working. Initiating computer task handoff. Well, it's like, and I think that's one of the issues with like heteronormative shit Commander. and toxic masculinity where it's like men are so 
touch deprived. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and it's gotten to the point now where we have fucking incels. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like, and I don't think that would be as much of an issue if people were okay with like touch in a non-sexual way. Monogamy, as it's currently constructed, like it could be considered cheating or something to kind of be, you know, doing certain things like that. But like, that's why I think there is hope for a non-monogamy beyond kind of like polyamorous serial dating or what have you. Right, right. Well, it's pretty simple. Men inseminate the women, and the women carry the baby. Our fetuses are incubated in fibrous husks, which the parents inseminate. They're talking about the husk. From what we know of other species, our method is less risky and less painful. Less enjoyable. Less enjoyable. So I'm pretty sure For humans, that they all have dicks and they just jerk off into a husk together. And that's what creates the child. It can be a very pleasurable experience. Inseminating a husk. That's just the last step. Mating is a long ritual for us. That's hmm. my theory. Full of variety and invention, I assure you. It is extremely pleasurable. She just asked Commander Riker about his genitals, which normally it's the other way around. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> she's just really interested, and she wasn't like, oh yeah, that sounds like mine, sweet. You know? That's a good like, point. So maybe they have like some kind of weird like third thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Something else. Because you could probably show that on TV and it wouldn't be, like, illegal. Compatible. I don't know. Of course, it would never be permitted. Why not? The idea of gender, it is offensive to my people. You see, long ago we had two sexes, as you do. But we evolved into a higher form. When scum eliminated all the men, we thought she was just being sarcastic. We thought it was just a, a performance art thing. But gender is primitive. Well, how do two people inseminate a husk then? Less if they have all. like similar, you know what I'm saying? Maybe so. There was like a, an experimental um, procedure that was done at one point where they combined two sperm cells from a couple of gay men and used that to inseminate an egg so that way the child had traits Zero two nine. from three people, actually. Huh. So I, I kind of pictured it being something like that. Yeah. So for some reason I was picturing them going to like a cornfield or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> But maybe it's maybe it is just like a scientific procedure. I don't know. Children of the corn, literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what what else has husks? I guess I'm not super. Not super up on biology. I think it's kind of a metaphorical husk. We've lost an engine. We're trying to get a tractor beam on. The sooner the better. Enterprise, we have an injury. Transport Soren directly to sick bay. Soren is a great non-binary name. If they had like some imaginary like alien genitalia, they probably could have shown it on TV, and it wouldn't be <laughs> they wouldn't be violate standards and practices. And I feel like that's a real missed opportunity for this yeah. episode. Yeah, for Delusian like porn to slip under the radar on CBS. Right. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Doctor. If she just like took out whatever it is, you know, and then like just yes. Riker has like a reaction Forgive on his face, me, like wow, you know? wow, <laughs> I need that in me right now. This conversation with Crusher is really special. Mm. It is. It's just the way I am. I've never really thought about what it's like. Again, she's never really thought about this either, you know. Haven't you read your Judith Butler from several centuries ago? <laughs> I thought of Dr. Crusher. It's like anybody should have thought about it. 
Should have been her. You put color on your mouse. Crusher's like, oh, your eyes, that your gender stuff, problems, suppression of women, that was a long time ago. But I, I think the one thing that they couldn't have written into the scene, which is the obvious thing, is for the alien to ask, like, okay, well, how come, you know, there aren't, like, any major, like, female commanding officers on this ship? Right. Or or even, like, why is dating still this, like, weird primate ritual between you guys than, like, the way you're describing it? Well, the word primate says it all. She sees that as primitive, essentially, even though she's, like, into it. Like, her culture has like evolved beyond it this is basically confusing. by killing all the men like <laughs> and are women considered more superior or the men neither in the past women were often considered weak and inferior but that hasn't been true for a long time i don't know yeah, but the, the women, this is, there's a counselor and there's a doctor. The there's nobody, like, in charge on the bridge, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was another weakness, too, because even in the original series, like, I mean, oh, Uhuru yeah. was basically the secretary. I mean, they, you know, they didn't say it out loud. Right, and especially when she gets with Kirk, like, they change that in the new movies, because it's weird. Shut it down. Are we still on schedule, then? That depends on how you're doing. I'm fine. We should go check the port engine. Whoa. We should get the doctor's opinion first. Doctor? I don't see any problem, but if you feel any symptoms, headache, dizziness, come back. You if it burns when you pee, Riker <laughs> <laughs> looks at him. This is another thing, too. They're playing poker, and Riker. it's like... Right. This hand, the game is Federation. Like, what? Like, they're, they're playing poker, and it's... Like, poker only works if there's money. <laughs> This is a team building exercise. <laughs> so, twos, sixes, and aces are wild. That is a woman's game. This is a woman's game. So, why is that? I mean, I feel like they just kind of had to put him in there to be that guy, even though it doesn't necessarily like make sense within like the continuity of the show, you know? Right. Let me get this straight. You're saying it's a woman's game because women are weak and need more help. Yes. Just this afternoon, I was insisting to one of the Janai that those attitudes were but a distant memory. The Janai. I could totally see him hating this alien race, though. They bother me. Why, Worf? Well, they just do. They're all alike. No males, no females. They're well, so sure neutral. They disgust them. me. <laughs> seems to be overcoming the differences, at least in regards to one of us. What are you saying, Doctor? I could be wrong. But I get the definite impression that Soren is attracted to Commander Riker. Oh, human and a Janari. Impossible. Why? Good question. Worf? All these wild cards. I don't care if it's politically incorrect. <laughs> yeah, are you triggered right now? Where did all the men go, huh? There's a good reason to, but I don't want to spoil the episode for those who haven't seen it. When we get into the null space, we'll need to initialize it before we can transport the Janai crew onto Well, it's like, where's the passion? You know, like, I didn't become queer just to be this, like, blob in this unflattering uniform floating around, like, give me some leopard print leggings and some glittery shit, you know what I mean? They mentioned that they find gender offensive. I think that gives you a real feel for the kind of woke leviathan they have enforcing this shit. Right. This is the future that Jordan Peterson fears. 
So, so like this sequence has something like there's a really great like directorial flourish here where she's sort of like telling her story and then her face disappears and it's dark. I'd like to tell you something. Something that's not easy to say. If you see somebody's face, like they're still kind of othered in a way because like you're seeing that person's like specific story. But once she kind of like disappears into the shadow for a second, like I find you attractive right here. Yeah, it gives you a little more room to imagine. Mm. I'm taking a terrible risk telling you that. It means revealing something to you. Something that if it were known on my planet would be very dangerous for me. Going into the closet, but then admitting that she's coming out of the closet. That's it's like some classic cinema shit right there. Occasionally, among my people, there are a few who are born different. Who are throwbacks from the era when we all had gender. Some have strong inclinations to maleness, and some have urges to be female. When they still had gender. I am one of the latter. I'd be curious to know, like, what caused that to happen, you know? I guess people critiquing video games probably just got out of hand. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of anime. But in front of Crichton and the others, I must be careful not to reveal myself. Why? On our world, these feelings are forbidden. The first thing that came to mind when I saw this scene, having gender in a society is being trans, right? Because if you break down what being right. trans is, it's identifying as something other than what you were assigned at birth. If you were assigned nothing at birth, but you identify with something, that makes you transgender. But also, one of the things that I was thinking about all night when I was watching this episode is the how do you handle people who want to express differently in a post-gender society, right? And How long have you known to me, I guess like it's just the idea of like, anybody can wear and express however they want. And through technological development, like it becomes much cheaper and accessible to like change your biology. So that way, mm -hmm. not even just the abolition of gender, but the abolition of sex even, where it's just purely a choice. It's gender withers away. Before I knew what I was, yeah. There was a rumor at my school that one of the students preferred a gender. This is parallel, you know, like bullying of like right. gay kids, basically. Yes. The children started making fun of him. And every day they were more cruel. They could tell he was afraid and somehow that seemed to encourage them. One morning in class, he appeared bleeding and in ripped clothes. He said he had fallen down. And of course, the school authorities found out and took him away and gave him psychotactic treatments. So this is basically like the pray away the gay shit. When he came back, he stood in front of the whole school and told us how happy he was now that he had been cured. After that, I realized how dangerous it was to be different. And once I got older and knew what I was, I was terrified. 
I have had to live with that fear ever since. Do you have relationships with others? Yes. With those who have discovered they are male. Who have discovered they are male. I have had to live That is such a trans thing to say. Pretense and lies. But with you, I can be honest. Please, don't say anything. Just think about it. And also, she's like, trust me, I'm hetero, okay? It's cool. <laughs> I'm yeah. not that weird. Yeah, no homo. No homo. <laughs> I mean, yeah, again, like, I do I do like that break. Everything she's so down to have it played by a guy. Functioning. But... Because, I mean, I feel like that would just spice this up so much, you know? Well, it would drive home that it's specifically, like, a trans woman's experience or trans feminine experience. Like, even though that is what's being depicted anyway, like, the sexual dimorphism ends up casting this in a safer way. I don't know how to say that. This is a rare appearance of the bearded Jordi yeah. LaForge, so, which LeVar Burton preferred, but right. uh, the producers put the Knicks on. Yeah. Uh, we can't have two beards on the show. And the white guy already has one, so. Sorry, Jordy. We're ready to initiate shuttle pre-launch sequence. The beard and the visor is a bit much, you know. Like if he if he doesn't have the visor on, the beard actually works. I think a little bit more. Yeah. The shuttle is underway, sir. Good hunting, Commander. Thank you, sir. See you for dinner. Heading confirmed. Energy readings are normal with power reserve stabilized. But I think the producers were like. Uh, we think it would gross people out if she yeah. was played by a guy. Pretty much. It was a marketing thing. It's like, I guess, like, the gay community was kind of mad at this show back in the day for not being, like, inclusive. You're like, hey, hey, where are we in your future? And they saw a lot of people criticize this episode as, as like, a way to quote-unquote sidestep the issue. And understandably so, they just wanted to have maybe a character who was just, like, you know, straight-up gay. Instead of having to do, like, this weird allegory. But... It does actually end up like touching on trans stuff, so in a way, it ends up kind of accidentally being more progressive, you know? Yeah, it comments in a really unconscious way on the connection between gender and sexual attraction. Which, in a sense, kind of makes it more interesting, you know? In some ways, like, the most boring parts of it are the things with, like, the clear parallels they're trying to draw that I was kind of pointing out earlier. Not for me, but sure. The accidental stuff they stumble upon actually, like, brings new dimensions to it that they don't entirely know what to do with. But it reveals something about the sort of, like, mindset of people, you know, maybe just, like, in mainstream kind of liberal society at the time. Even the woke people were like... Well, I mean, sex is just gender. Well, as woke as like an LA screenwriter was in like the 90s. Thinking about America. I don't know, man. I don't know. We're down to 9%. We don't have enough to get back. Just sit here, we'll lose all of our systems within an hour, including life support. Okay, I'm rerouting the propulsion system to the transporter. Rechannel the navigation systems. This is like classic Trek tech talk. Every microjoule. <laughs> yeah. Get all the tiny vapes. But if we use an energy shift of that size, it will overload the phase compensators. The shuttle will explode. But if we stay here, we're dead anyway. They would write in the screenplays. They would just put like tech in brackets, and then they would have like this the specialists like on the staff who would like have like notebooks of what the things the imaginary science was you kind of fill in the blanks all right so it was internally consistent then no but they tried yeah <laughs> another thing this episode made me think about is the relationship of sex and gender 
And this is like a conversation I've had with Lexi before about how me like looking at myself and like, am I transsexual? Am I not binary? Like, what am I? And your colleague Soren was very helpful. I don't think those categories are mutually exclusive. So I don't think of like sexuality as simply like genitals or chromosomes or hormones or breasts or lack thereof. It's all of it. And so in a sense, by taking hormone replacement therapy, I am in a sense transsexual, but like I don't identify within a binary per se, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's unambiguous if you're taking the hormones of the other bimodal category, then that is transsexual. <laughs> like You're not deconstructing sex enough. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I hope very much that we get beyond that stuff. Somebody's going to say it. I, I'm just telling you. Of course. I wondered what had happened to our guest of honor. I just needed some air. I could only take so much of those social functions, and I need to breathe a little. I would think you had attended so many affairs like this that it had become second nature to you. I was raised outdoors. I've never been very comfortable in crowded rooms. So I got a job on a spaceship. <laughs> I mean, I guess Enterprise is huge. It's like a it space colony, but... Might not have gotten a sign there. They could have put him on some clunker, something the size of the Defiant on DS9 or whatever. What do you think of our planet? Isn't it beautiful? Yes, it is. It's beautiful. We have many varieties of plant life. Perhaps you would like to inspect some of them? Yes, I would. I've always been interested in exobotany. Please, let me take you on a tour. Thank you. It's kind of you. Okay, so there, that was some, like, DL, like, yeah, I want to check out some exobotany, if you know what I mean. <laughs> For someone that's, you know, repressing all the sex and repressing all the gender, she's super in tune with sexual tension. I, I just thought Riker might be a little more close-minded than he is, and Riker continues to impress me throughout the series. This is called a fallow bush. It produces a fragrant flower on only one day of the year. No, this is like Douglas Cirque level camp dialogue right now. Like, oh yeah. Woo! Like, come on! If the actor played Soren was a man right now, they would be really, really breaking some taboos right there. It would not air in the South. They would be sure. breaking Earth taboos and kind of give a sense of transgression to our society, what they're depicting towards the Janai. Yeah. It should make the viewers uncomfortable. It would change the meaning of the episode. It would make it much more progressive than it is. It would yeah. get Star Trek canceled. <laughs> I mean, it was syndicated, so no, nobody could cancel it. They'd just lose some episode orders. Right, like, right. That's it. So I, I want to just point out what's underlying this scene is that uh, Deanna Troy and Commander Riker Hello, Will. have an old relationship and they kind of like fizzled out but they're good friends and they're still attracted to each other and so it doesn't seem like when they hook up with other people they often like talk about it but you know who any of these people are no Riker's so serious about soren as a partner most of them don't that he's sharing with her i look at these faces and very rarely happens right could be related to me this one looks like you Deanna, 
I have something on my mind. I've had to see you. Has something happened? I've met someone. Someone who's becoming important to me. Sorry. Yes. You're my friend, and I thought... I don't know, I thought I should tell you. The best part of this episode is how much Soren feels like to Riker, someone that he would really want to spend the rest of his life with. Like, that he sees her as that kind of partner. Yeah, it's like wife material. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe we're friends. You're a part of my life, and I'm a part of yours. That much will always be true. So this is galaxy brain poly stuff, right? <laughs> I definitely saw it as that, especially the end of the scene. Right mm -hmm. now. I was like, wow, they have like a platonic mm -hmm. relationship almost. Like, it's not a sexual kiss, but like they clearly have an affection for each other and a closeness. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty cool. It is cool. Hello, I'm here to see Soren. I know. We had an appointment. We were going to discuss. I don't think so, Commander. Excuse me? We know about the two of you. We know what you're doing. Where and is Soren? we're Sorin? going to make sure it doesn't happen again. Answer me. Where is Soren? In custody. And there's nothing you can do about it. The hell there isn't. The scum party dictatorship has her at headquarters. <laughs> you are aware of the charges against you? Yes. Do you intend to dispute them? The other thing they could have done, they could have gone to like the genderless planets version of like Jerry Springer. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I guess that's what this court procedure More is. More or less. I mean. <laughs> Maybe this is Judge Judy. Riker, these proceedings are closed to everyone. I think right? I just opened them. I love this. This is a private matter. This is the Kirk moment. Grateful for your recent help. This is a Riker moment. I think Kirk would come in and tell these people they were all shit. Your society sucks. Two to beam out. <laughs> he would kiss her. That would be the end of the episode and we'd never see her again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you, you have a point. I didn't understand your ways until she explained them to me and rejected me. Nothing happened between us. I ask you forgiveness. I behaved inappropriately. So Riker just frames himself basically for sexual assault. Yeah. yeah. Is this true? No. Sorry. I am tired of lies. This monologue is so good. Yeah. I am female. I was born that way. I have had those feelings, those longings, all of my life. It is not unnatural. I am not sick because I feel this way. I do not need to be helped. Preach, sister. I do not need to be cured. You can put a trans woman activist, give her the speech. Yeah. What I need and what all of those who are like me need is your understanding. She should have beamed the fuck out of there though. <laughs> yeah, she really should. You can't just, honestly, like civil disobedience is bullshit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I have not injured you in any way. And yet we are scorned and attacked. And all because we are different. What we do is no different from what you do. So what I think is pretty interesting in this is that it manages to talk about like non-binary stuff and a sort of binary trans thing. 
because she's known her whole life that she is female, as she says. And we wonder about growing old. Right, yeah. Again, it's a thing where they try and do like a gay metaphor and stumble into a trans metaphor, or pretty much a literal trans narrative. Yeah. And we cry with each other when things seem hopeless. But yeah, it's interesting because like, you know, the whole thing is like, the society is basically preventing her from being like a heterosexual woman. So so that's the rub of the episode that is the questionable thing. And for that, we are called misfits. The defaulting of heterosexuality and bi-gender relations as this ideal for mm-hmm. them to aspire to. And instead of admitting that, yes, right do you have to change human us? gender is primitive, but we just need some kind of explosion of the gender what binary. makes you think you can dictate how people love each other? That we have to, you know, do uh, second wave femme negative meets gulag stuff. Yeah. It just seems like they'd really had an opportunity here to explore the potential freedom Mm -hmm. that not having gender could could really mean. And they really don't address the kind of inherently alienating aspects. Commander? Let me take her with me. She could go back to the Enterprise. We would give her asylum. You would never have to see her again. That would solve the problem, wouldn't it? You'd be rid of her. She would never be able to influence anyone again. Commander. They feel like they got rid of it. Diatribe, you must think that we are a cruel, repressive people. Right, and then the essential good aspects are kind of remaining or something. Well, yeah, They've totally like, naturalized what's left. To them seriously. Soren is sick. As gender abolitionist puritanism. Did it occur to you that she might like to stay the way she is? No, you don't understand. We have a very high success rate in treating deviants like this, and without exception, they become happier people after their treatment and grateful. Fucking non-bitery Jordan Peterson. Yeah, yeah, totally. On this world, everyone wants to be normal. She is. Take Soren to quarters. Treatment will begin tomorrow. Don't do this. Soren! Give them conversion therapy and... Make them non-binary again. No more, Commander. Yeah. They just want to be normie. Right. Transport. Yeah. It's very bizarre, and y'all are absolutely right. Like, it's really shitty how the rebellion is being a straight woman. <laughs> They'll give her these psychotectic treatments. I don't know what to do. This is where Picard is completely useless. Where he's just like... Yeah. You know, I'm doing the math on this, and I don't think this is worth causing an incident, so, uh... I could talk to Noor. Perhaps there's a way to work something out. Sir, their minds are set. They don't want to hear another alternative. And I'm not sure that there's much that we can do. Sorry, bro, this isn't, like, about class. <laughs> My relationship with Soren is not trivial. She's very important to me. It's my fault that this happened. I have to help her. Well, if you're here for sanction... To take matters into your own hands, I can't give it to you. I know that. But I have to do something. Interfering in the internal affairs of the Janai is prohibited by the Prime Directive. I'm aware of that. You violate it. You may be jeopardizing your career. He's like, look, I got a job to do here, and this is going to cause a galactic incident, and you got those pips on your collar. Don't throw those away for this. You've made yourself very clear. Don't put at risk everything you've worked for. Hmm. Maybe excuse now. He's letting it out, but he's like, you can't let this get out of control. Because if it gets out of control, I'll throw you under the bus. Yeah, that's true. 
I mean, that's Picard, though. Like, he's the guy who accused Spock of cowboy diplomacy. You know what I mean? <laughs> who is it? Lieutenant Worf. When I say Picard's also smart enough to know he can't stop Riker, that he's just going to be like, take the risk, dude, but I ain't going to back you up if you fuck up. Meanwhile, here comes Solid Bro. <laughs> Even though he's a little douchey sometimes, at the end of the day, he's down. And we'll have her back when shit hits the fan, even though they say problematic shit sometimes. Ride or die. Thank you. Fucking solid bros. You're dismissed. Commander, I am aware of what transpired on the planet's surface. Are you by any chance considering an unannounced visit? That's honestly way preferable than some, like, wishy-washy liberal, like... I will go with you. Way too worried about language, but never does anything kind of person. Sir, if you order me to stay on board, I will obey. But I ask you not to give that order. A warrior does not let a friend face danger alone. That speaks to my heart. No, it's the same. I mean, sometimes in war you have to do that, though, so I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Leaving. Yeah, but for the Klingon, the best thing to do is die at battle. Right. Death, like wine, is best shared. Yeah. Right, well, it kind of shows that identity isn't primarily political. Yes. Hmm. I love this, like, 90s-ass nature set. Yeah. <laughs> this could be Jurassic Park. Excuse me. I need to speak to her alone for a moment. Star Trek fight action is always the best. Very dramatic and karate. Double-fisted axe handle. Right. Cheeto chops. Wait. Don't worry, we'll be out of here in a minute. Please don't. All right, we're almost there. You cannot do this. I won't let them hurt you. You'll be safe on the Enterprise. I am so sorry. It was my fault that you got involved in all this. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be fine. No, it is not. What are you talking about? It was all a mistake. And I should have realized it from the beginning. What? That I was sick. I had these terrible urges, and that is why I reached out to you. But it was wrong. And I see that now. I do not understand how I could have done what I did. Maybe Dr. Crusher could treat you and bring you back to the way you were. Why would I want that? Soren. I love you. I'm sorry. Ah. Uh. So this raises an interesting question about, about pronouns. So what do you call somebody who previously identified as she, but is in a totalitarian society that has brainwashed her into accepting the gender-conforming pronouns of the society? So you're, are, you, are you asking if we wow. should call Mario Mielici, basically? Yeah. Even though Mario Mielici was blocked by the hetero, you know, yeah. patriarchy? Yeah. Because she is genuinely brainwashed now, you know? to tell them we will be there. What's the etiquette here? Is our business with the Janai finished? To be fair, Jake, um, finished, sir. the U.S. government put estrogen in the water. Very well. 
to make me trans. <laughs> and I still prefer, you know, any pronouns about the one I was born I with, so. Yeah. Engage. God, those Riker eyes are heartbreaking. Yeah, they are. Ugh. Carl's just like, let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he's so upset about. Jeez. We got shit to do. Here I thought I had a nice little gotcha. Nice little, <laughs> nice little gotcha catch 22 <laughs> hypothetical. Never actually happened in reality, but should have listened to my Alex Jones. The problem is, is that it does happen in reality. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. The real world equivalent is like you have a trans woman or, you know, somebody who's non-binary or whatever, and then they go through conversion therapy. Does that ever actually work, though? It does, like, cause people to re-traumatize themselves into the closet. Mm. Right. Yeah, I guess that's what it's designed to do, isn't it? Yeah. So once they go through that and they own the repression, in order to deal with them in a dignified manner, you have to recognize them as they wish to be recognized. Right, you have to respect people's will, ultimately. That's the only way you can ever get through to them. In the credits is something called Cis Hollywood, C-I-S. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Produced by Big Sis. Yeah. Oh my god. Next. Rip. CIS. Yeah, it's a fucking conspiracy. <laughs> well, well right. yeah, that's your ball game. So, uh, I don't know. Post episode reflections. I mean, I guess the obvious thing to point out here is one, we have a non binary planet. Two, the repressive situation makes it so having a gender at all and not being non-binary is the weird thing. And then three, being a binary person and being straight is the, is the really repressed and radical thing here. So we have like this really bizarre spectrum from, whoa, this is woke to, oh man, really? But it's definitely designed to put the viewer in the sort of driver's seat, and the viewer is a cis heterosexual person. In the early 90s. Right. Certainly. And I think the episode does a really good job of that. Yeah. Ultimately. The writing here is trying to condemn discrimination as articulately as it can. I just do wonder, though, what would that claim even mean to claim to have a gender in a society that would actually be post-gender? I, I kind of think that implies that there is a, a gender structure to this alien society. It seems like the major divisions here aren't gender divisions. It seems like they might have actually abolished gender, but by force, in a repressive way. Yeah, by fiat. Well, they abolish gender through a class system, essentially. With something new and enlightened and progressive. Yeah. My personal experience on this is that, like, whenever it's, like, an issue of non-binary-ness versus, like, feminist, I'm always mm. kind of at a loss because I identify as non-binary, but I also identify a lot with femininity. And it's kind of one of those situations where... I'm so non-binary that I'm not even sure if I'm non-binary a lot of the time. Is this just how it is? Right. Like, am I just, like, kind of a tomboy, quote-unquote, or am I non-binary, you know? Or is this pretty much the exact, you know, ontological configuration of someone who is a trans woman? I just didn't tell myself the same story. Right. And I have questions about that with myself too i did not have the 
I knew who I was, you know, ever since I was young, mainly because I never really had that positive of an image of, of you know, the gender that I want, right? For me, I've kind of lived the, the negative definition of trans, you know, like, I don't know what I want, but I know what I don't want. Like, and so over time, I've gotten more comfortable with femininity in a way that I like, it feels good. It feels good to like be able to grasp onto something for once. But also, as a non-binary person who's, you know, like born male or whatever, you are going to be read as a man unless you were read as a woman. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> true. That. So beyond like what non-binary people have to go through more generally, non-binary people of male heritage, perhaps, um, you're definitely going to have to deal with that. And so that naturally leads a lot of non-binary people to take on femininity themselves as right. a means of just doing the basic break with the gender they want to abandon. Yeah. I too didn't have the narrative of like, oh, I've known my whole life that I was born in the wrong body or whatever. I know, I guess I never really had like a super positive role model for the gender I wanted to be either. But the interesting thing was that, like, I did have, like, a relatively decent male figure in my life. My dad, specifically. But uh, when I would try to emulate that or emulate other, like, positive examples of masculinity, I could never pull it off. It always felt yeah. like I was going to be read as gay, which, you know, obviously isn't terrible, but, like, I didn't feel that attracted to men. Right, that's a confusing thing. That was the yeah. thing that was most confusing. It's like I'm gay for women. Right. Huh. And that leads me to my second point, too, is, like, even though I identify with non-binary, like, I also really like being a lesbian, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, me too. So, I don't know. Well, lesbian is probably the first thing that I ever latched onto as something that felt kind of right. It can slide easily into galaxy brain territory of reverse engineering. What do I mean lesbian? Well, I'm attracted to women, and if I feel a kind of, not just attraction, but a sort of resonant kinship with lesbians that would lead me to believe by inference that... When I was first coming out, I um, had a friend of mine who was kind of my uh, quote-unquote trans mom. I was, like, really newly out. Like, she was, like, the fourth person I had told. And I was still living in boy mode a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And I was having this conversation with her about it. And I was like, you know, I'm not sure, like, if I am trans or what's going on. In her funny way, she was just like, you know, cis men just don't seriously think about this in the way that you are. They just right. think, oh, having tits would be cool. And then they move on with their day. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're sitting here thinking about it coming out to people. Like, that is a huge sign. Yeah, and the way that... The whole question just sort of rolls off of Dr. Crusher's shoulders. Yeah. Is this experience that was always so puzzling to me. And I wonder to the degree that, I don't know, every little thing about people's selfhood is under attack these days, I feel like, is constantly being undermined. Every little thing you identify with is plied away from you somehow. How secure are cis people really? How sure are they really? Yeah. Like, I wonder about that. In this that. time where every, every aspect of the self is under siege. Thank Sorry. you, dear. That's exactly where I'm feeling. I'm feeling that Roderick feel. 
<laughs> but yeah, like there's a kind of skepticism that prevails today that is historically unprecedented. And this is part of the way in which capitalism does have some liberatory aspects. This is, if you go into Deleuze or something, right? The deterritorialization kind of rips old things up. And one of the things it does is the certainty that everyone has about their gender, not just trans people, but cis people too, all realize that they could change it. And I don't like playing this up too much like some trans women do, but like, mm-hmm. I think that does kind of explain why just statistically, like people who are trans women or trans femme face a little bit more discrimination right. than trans men, because we are reminders to men that like, hey, you don't have to do this. And that's scary. <laughs> yeah. You have a choice. You're making a choice. Just right. like I am. That's particularly threatening. Yeah, knock it off. Y'all are fucking with my head. This is fucked up. <laughs> Just be normal. God. <laughs> and that's it for this week. That episode was a bitch to organize, a bitch to record, a bitch to edit, and near and dear to my heart gave Sophia and I the chance to specify exactly what kind of bitches we are. Again, we have a cute Twitch stream called Trans Trans Revolution that usually broadcasts on Wednesdays at 8pm Eastern Time or later. We've been playing Earthbound, a Lenin mod for Civilization V, and we'll be trying whatever commie games we can get our hands on. Oh, and Undertale. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on the iTunes or Google Play stores. The easiest and freest way to help us out is to leave a five-star review on iTunes. Did I mention we have an Instagram now? We have an Instagram now. And a Tumblr. No, I'm just kidding. No Tumblr. If you'd like to help us crush gender once and for all, Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash swampsidechats. Remember that Swampside Chats will never hide podcast content behind a paywall. Also, the month of December is the last month to subscribe to get a custom episode for half the price of what it will be in 2019. Next week, not one step back. We're on the forced march through Melinda Cooper's family values between neoliberalism and the new social conservatism. Comrades, keep your boots clean and prosper.